to the computer. Okay. It's all happening. I'm here for it. It's all happening. Okay. Now, I'm going to cut to this. And we're going to do okay. the intro. All right. Let's do the intro. Okay. Of making films, no matter how small the budget. And and Trevor L. Nelson. How was that? <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. It was choppy. <laughs> Were you playing DJ on that? I was trying to. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> Okay, let's try it again. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Here we go. Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts, Alex Dark and Trevor L. Nelson. Oh, hey, Much everyone. Better. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> you guys missed a really horrible intro attempt uh, before this. So uh, oh, came in hot with the laughter. It was pretty uh, nice. But it, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is episode 55 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I'm Trevor L. Nelson. And I'm Alex Dark. And today we're going to be talking about grip hardware every filmmaker should know. Yes. Yeah. But first, but first Trevor, Alex, what are you drinking? I am drinking a delicious Miller Lite. I'm still stuck on Miller Lite. You know, I went through the first 30 pack pretty quickly. Um, the wife was, uh, you know, dealing with some child issues and continued to drink. I mean, she was just pounding beers. Yeah. But this one's taking a little bit. So I'm stuck That's on Miller for a while. Nice. Yeah. She switched to straight vodka and moonshine. So I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm the one, you know, picking up the rear with the beer. So i uh, still stuck on Miller. What do you drink? The rear with the beer. That should be Miller's uh, new slogan. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the slogan for Beer Bellies Anonymous. Pick yes. it up the rear with the beer. <laughs> I like it. I'm also sticking with my my Stella. What a lightweight with those 0. 0.8 ounces that you're not drinking. What a lightweight. I know. That just means I have yeah. to drink two. So. so boom, nailed it. Thanks, Stella, again. Uh, but if you like to sponsor this podcast, by all means, Stella, I will drink you religiously on this podcast if you sponsor it. So absolutely, absolutely. Hit us up. Yeah. All right, Trevor, what's new? I, you know, the biggest thing that's new is now we're on Amazon Podcasts. Um, that's right, Amazon. Uh, so it's it's actually within their music app, Amazon mm -hmm. Music. When they pitched it to me, <laughs> as if they contacted me directly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you got a chain mail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When we were sent uh, a copy and paste from Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. They said that it was going to be on Audible, which was surprising, but I guess it kind of made sense. Uh, okay. But no, no, not on Audible. It's uh, Amazon, Amazon Music. Music. Okay. So right now uh, it's available. So if you guys for some reason are... Uh, Bezos bros or Bezos bitches um, and it really like everything to be in the uh, uh, Amazon landscape listen to us on that switch on over there so you don't have to you know I don't know support Apple or support Google or anybody else you can instead support Amazon totally and now you can have your Alexa um, 
you know, do its thing with our podcast. True. I guess. I, That's I true. said I, I, that and mine activated, so I didn't actually say anything because I was worried <laughs> that it would start playing the podcast right now. <laughs> so uh, I guess so. Before that, they couldn't do it on on the uh, Alexa. I mean, I would assume that they would just buy something. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, but now, now it's, it's like native integrated. Yeah. Okay, that's the biggest new thing, because guess what? We're still all in, in the suck, and wildfires are still burning, and I can't even go out of my house because the, the air is so bad, and I'm like an hour away from the fires. It's you know, ridiculous. What's crazy is right now, it's I'm in my garage, which is the first time I've been able to really go in here because it's been so bad. Yo, um, Wizard, don't, don't uh, reveal a peek behind the curtain. You're in your swanky home office. That's right. My swanky home <laughs> office with a big, wide-open door leading to the outside. That works like a garage door <laughs> where I could park a car if I wanted to, but I don't have room. Mm-hmm. My office is also a laundromat, <laughs> <laughs> but just for me. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, it's actually today and yesterday were the first days that the weather was and the, the air quality was moderate it said moderate yeah <laughs> wow wow that's a sad day when moderate we're looking for a moderate yeah because the past it's been um either unhealthy for sensitive groups or just yep. unhealthy yep and at one yep. point it was probably very unhealthy yeah i heard at one point it was like smoking three packs a day if you went outside for like an hour yeah, that's what um, that's great. what people you know i i heard all those sort of stats about it mm-hmm. like 12 packs a day three packs a day but it was all very vague. It was like, where exactly? Yeah. Like going outside, and, where? And for like how right long? Next to the fire? And for how long? Yeah. For, like, if you hour? go into the fire and yeah. start breathing without a mask, it's going to be like inhaling smoke. Yeah, basically. It's word of life. And I'm a doctor. so yeah. You're going to have to invest in patches because you're going to be addicted <laughs> to wildfire smoke. That's sweet, sweet wildfire. I'm just going to get my uh, sweet wildfire scented candles at Bed Bath & Beyond. Absolutely. Uh, one of our new sponsors, Bed Bath & Beyond, for some reason likes no budget filmmaking. Yeah. I prefer Burning Cedar. Ooh, um, interesting. I like Midnight Bliss. Wow. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. All right. Uh, so yeah. are we going to play our, our usual now that we don't have what's new? Yeah, that we're in quarantine we? and all that. Might as well. Let's just do it. Let's do okay. it. We, we did reveal a little bit about ourselves right now, but let's just do our question That's of the true. day. That's true. Here's our question let's, of the day randomly. All right. Random question. Randomly. Never seen this. Never heard of it. If you could be guaranteed one thing in life besides money, what would it be? Money. Trevor. Oh wait. Money. <laughs> um, so I like, I get money anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're, we're, we're pretending you have money. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is fiction, um, Trevor. Yeah, yeah. Jet skis. <laughs> jet skis. <laughs> That's all I want in life. You wish for something you could buy with the money you already have. And okay. Ah, oh, damn it! I totally ruined this game. Um. Two jet skis. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I went for it. Quad skis. Um, oh man. I mean, I'm gonna go with the 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 really dumb answers. Just like you know, like a very like ah, it's so hard because if you have money, then I know they say money doesn't buy you happiness, but damn well does it help. Um, you know, like just like a yeah, guaranteed. Happiness. Uh, you know what? I, it, it, I mean, let's be honest. If I had, if we had money already, everything would be golden. But the one thing money can't buy is a successful film career. Yeah, uh, I would like, uh, you know, can like you a. I don't not. know. Like you can, you can keep throwing money at stuff and make films. Doesn't mean anyone's going to watch it, and you're just not hemorrhaging cash. That's true. I mean, my wife is within earshot, so of course, if I had could ask, if I could wish for one thing that isn't money, it'd be the health and happiness of my family. 
but absolutely uh, now that she now that she's not paying attention it's absolutely a film career yeah it's more booze oh um, god but i have money so i could buy it that's true I you know what's know funny my... is that everyone says money can't hit by happiness but we are having so much trouble trying to figure out something that we couldn't just get with money that would make us happy i know so mine i'll tell you right now if i could be guaranteed one thing it would be guaranteed. that vmix would work upon <laughs> launching for this podcast so this wouldn't take the kicker is, is that nobody's instead. gonna watch yeah Nobody's going to watch this yet. We spend so much time on VMix trying to set it up. It's barely, I, like, in my, opinion, in my opinion, it's barely to make the video. It's just to, like, get the audio. Because from true. my experience, from our experience, this audio yeah. quality is better than, than, like, doing it through Skype and other things we've tried. Yeah, Skype has the, Skype has the auto clipping. So if one person talks, the other person's uh, microphone is clipped. And Lord knows we talk over each other all the time. So that oh, wouldn't God, work. Yes. Um, Zoom audio is pretty good, but I mean, if we're going to do Zoom, why not do VMix and actually make a supplemental video at the same time? Because why not? You know, two yes. things with less uh, with the effort of one. Um, but yeah, it'd be great if VMix worked every time. Which is what's the, the thing that boggles my mind is that we had it working last time. You saved it and then you opened it again this time and it didn't work. Didn't work. work. Didn't, work. didn't do a <laughs> no thing. Reason. That it was supposed to do, but then uh, started a fresh project, and within seconds, it worked Everything fine, went. which is so dumb. Uh, I so really, dumb. I, I still, at this point, don't know how this is working and the other ones weren't. But, so here's my question. Did you use that old project file when you had this Yamaha mixer that I now have? Yes. Maybe that was it. it was but again, just... it was only, an, I, I never was able, I never really tried, I don't think, or I wasn't successful in getting you into the mixer. So yeah. I, it was just a, a source, an audio source. Anyway, interesting. I don't know. But on to the topic at hand. That's your answer, VMix. All right, yeah, right absolutely. That's right now, okay. It probably will change from minute to minute, but right now, that's the thing yeah. that is really yeah. big in my beans. Yeah. Like uh, I said, it was guaranteed a that my factory. wife is mute and can't yell at me for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 Money can buy that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, topic at hand today. Um, you know what? We've talked about equipment before, especially because yeah. we have an obsession with equipment. Um, but it tends to be, you know, we talk about cameras. We talk about, like, what to bring to a shoot. But I think a lot of people don't really have the basic knowledge of grip gear and what they uh, what they should have, what, what is very useful yeah, the thing that you keep know, popping up on set that you'll yeah. probably run into over and over. And not only that, but like, you know, some of the stuff, even with a no-budget film, you can rent it for not that expensive if you don't own it. I mean, you should oh, own a couple yeah. C-stands. Um, I don't the think grip, anyone will have menace arms. To yeah. rent. I mean, you can rent stands for two bucks. You know, it's like so yeah. cheap. So, yeah. yeah, and how much is sure. a menace arm to rent? I, it's not, I mean, it's cheap. Super cheap. Um, and the cool thing about grip to me is there's just so much of it. There's so many crazy little things people, cause at the end of the day, the grip department is kind of like this crazy, like engineering group of madmen, like fabricators that are yeah. able to cobble together things to, you know, basically make whatever kind of bizarre 
thing that the director wants to do, like mm-hmm. have a have a have a camera float on a weather balloon, you know, over like the scene or whatever. It's like, okay, well now the grip department has to figure out how to mount a camera to a weather balloon. You know, it's like Yeah. And they have all these crazy little gadgets that they can use. And um it's almost like these different erector sets that exist for <laughs> for people, you know? Um yeah. Yes, but I'm going to, I think that all that stuff aside, like the, you can get like super complicated into rigging and like different types of weird stuff, but we're going to talk about the basics yep. today. The things you that- know, so funny is that, that I was looking, I was, I was, when you put one of those on the list, I immediately thought of the very expensive, uh, version. And so oh. now this makes a lot more sense to me. Yes. Um, but yes. Um, so we'll start off with C-stands. Oh yeah, I mean, C stands for sure. Number one thing that you gotta you gotta learn how to use. Um, yeah. Because I mean, it's like you know regular baby stand, but with extra features. So you have like the legs, extend the arm. You can extend the arms, like um, the grip heads, all that kind of stuff, to be able to mount things, to be able to use flags. Um, you can use the arms to like arm out lightweight lights like Kino Flow, Divas, and stuff like that. Um, you can even like double up on on arms to get a little bit longer of a of an extension, um, yeah, and stuff like that, which is all super handy. Um, and then even the legs of the C stand, like a, a standard C stand, um, are, are adjustable, so you could have kind of this off kilter. Uh, you know, maybe you're on stairs or like um, there's a bunch of rocks around and it's not exactly flat you can kind of adjust the legs to accommodate for that which is pretty cool definitely i mean i think stand. yeah i think if you talk about film uh, about film stands i think the c stand is probably the most widely utilized one on set and and even on bigger sets where they you know they have giant you know high rollers they have giant combo stands they have all these stands um for especially heavier lights you're still going to see a truckload of c stands that can hold flags can hold you know um silks um like c stands are utilized no matter what budget you're working with because they are so um, So useful yeah so useful yeah yeah they're kind of like the go-to stand i would say um for most things i mean obviously they do have a weight limit um they are gotta have sandbags usually yeah and they are at heart like a baby stand you know so you Mm -hmm. you can you're limited in that you don't necessarily want to put like giant hmis on them especially if you're like arming out stuff like you just you still have to like deal with safety and there are i would say um to new filmmakers out there um learning the proper way to sandbag see stands and also to set the grip head so that it tightens down on itself versus releasing when there's Man. on one end, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's kind of like lesson number one, one should learn if you're jumping into a set um, and doing any kind of like lighting or working as a, a swing type position. Yeah. I think, I think my first day in a production class at USC, it was about C stands and how to, 
how to adjust them so that if the thing starts falling, it tightens the knuckle rather than loosening it, which is like a big thing. So if you have a heavy light at a 45 degree angle, you want to have it. And again, this is, this is basics, but not everyone knows it. You want to have it. So, uh, configured so that if that arm is not, if that knuckle is not completely tightened and that arm starts moving down, the process of it moving down will actually tighten it more and it won't fall. Yeah. Um, because if you have it the other way, yeah collapse danger people injured equipment Mm -hmm. damaged all sorts of stuff the worst Um, stuff but the other cool thing about c stands is they have another version called the c plus stand which you know some people like some people don't like but basically it has a turtle base which means you can take the actual stand uh part apart from the legs of the c stand so um, it makes it easier to travel with um, because yep. of the legs, the way they fold up, they're not the most friendly for cases or for even nope. like stacking and stuff like that. Um, so you can take the, the legs off. But then what happens is that leg piece accepts a junior pin. So that means you can take a big junior light like a, like a sky panel and put it right onto the legs down on the ground. So you have a really low light. Or you can um, put a an adapter, a junior to baby adapter, um, and have a low baby stand. So you kind of have like a bunch of different options. Um, yeah, it's like almost like three stands in one if you have the right adapters. Yeah, but what you lose out on is that a bit, that kind of like Rocky Mountain leg ability to be able to set it up on uneven surface raise the legs up and down to and stairs yeah yeah Yeah. uh again another term people might know the rocky mountain leg that is that is what alex was talking about earlier where it's an adjustable leg that rises on the shaft of the c-stand correct (laughs) um that you can you know again like alex said put on rocks or put on um stairs for stability but you lose that with the c plus but you gain a little bit more so maybe have a little bit of each Maybe have yeah, a couple I think of it's each. Good to have both. I know some people are like super against the C plus stand. I don't yeah. know why, but I, I like them. I think they're useful. Yeah, yeah. I don't, um, I don't have any problems with them. Yep. So I think it's yeah. always good to have a mix. Yeah. Um, and we utilize next, them all. The next stand is another sort of like Swiss Army stand, the combo. Ooh, we just got some. We just got some new, uh, new dogs. Yeah, just got some some new combos. Um, yep. <laughs> The, the beauty of the combo is at the top, it has both a junior pin receiver and a, a baby pin that can um, sort of flip out. Uh, and you yeah. can have, you can so you can mount um, a baby light right onto it. You could also put like a C-stand grip head right onto it that way if you wanted to. Or you could use a junior lollipop grip head in the junior pin slot. Or you could put like an actual junior pin uh, light right in there. Yeah. Um, so again, it's just kind of like a useful stand to have. Um, and one thing that I've seen them being used for more and more, especially the low boy ones, this, the, the lower ones is for, um, sliders. Yeah. You know, because they are kind of a double duty stand. You can use them for like a, a Dana Dolly slider, but then at the same time have a, useful stand when you're not using um the dana dolly slider um you can have a stand that can be both baby and junior 
um, that is like a little bit lower than your normal yep. sort of baby or C stand. Yep. Yep. So I, I like combo stands are a little beefier. They're not as easily transportable in like your SUV or something like that. Um, that's why the the lower ones are great because those travel well. Um, yeah. But again, they're not as tall. Um, but the the combo stands they can be beefy, um, and they, they are heavy. They are heavy. Um, and, they're uh, like steel, so they are heavy. Yeah. Which, but they're but they're they're, they're they're designed to hold lights like straight on big straight ones. on, big on the lights. I mean, you're talking about your RE twenty one Ks can fit on a combo. Oh my god. Um, yeah, everything. Yeah, they're they're beefs, um, but they're they're great. I love I love combo stands. Um, and like Alex said, the ones that are smaller that are for uh, Dana Dollies are really good to have just in your truck of good of goodies, even if you're not using a Dana Dolly, um, because yeah. light positioning. You don't you always, always want the lights up high. I know. Yeah, you always have. Um, it, there's always like a a scenario that pops up where you need a light to be lower than a normal C stand. Mm -hmm. And with a C stand, you have the option of mounting a light onto the actual arm and like yep. sort of flipping it upside down yep. and, you know, doing this sort of like weird V shape mounting scenario. So it is possible to do it, but it's yeah. just nice to have a lower stand. That's, I mean, it just yep. is. Yep. Um, then you have the high rollers. High rollers. I love high rollers, especially um, for frames, for your yes. silks. Um, uh, as the name implies, rollers, they're on wheels. Um, they have junior pin uh, receiver on top. Yep. And they also have uh, the lollipop, kind of like yeah, the C-stand, but beefier. Big old grip head. Um, and they're like I said, they're great for, especially for things that are I don't know if you'd say necessarily heavy, but awkward and need to be moved, like your giant twenty by twenty silks. If you're trying to block out the sun, um, or if you're trying to, you know, put a little diffusion on the the a giant um, a giant light, um, it's great because if you need to move the light, uh, uh, or you need to move the frame, it's super easy with the wheels. They lock off, um, super convenient. Um, you know. Telescopic head, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. And again, with the, with, the, with the grip head. You yeah. Can get, you can get a couple different kinds. They have the high rollers. They have the high, high rollers. They have the sky high rollers, you know, all that stuff. So different. I mean, like, and then there's, and there are ones that have the Rocky Mountain leg, like I was talking about, which is an adjustable one leg. So you can put it at an angle, yeah. uh, kind of stuff like that. Um, it all depends. But generally, your high rollers are, the, are big, beefy stands with uh, wheels. Yes. And they also, I mean, I would say primarily they're used for um, frames and the overheads and stuff like that. But basically anything that has an ear is great for that. So you can use speed speed rail ears to basically create like a, like I'm, they call it a goalpost. So like uh, you have two um, high roller stands with speed rail going between each one. So you could use that to put up um, back like a backdrop. Uh, if you had like a fabric backdrop that you want to just drape instead of have it tight on a frame, um, you could use that to sort of have to mount a light in the middle of the speed rail between two stands so that um, the stands aren't visible in the shot, but you have a light right mm -hmm. in the middle, um, you know, above yep. actors or something like that. Um, so all that kind of good stuff, high rollers are great for. Um, and again, they're, they're super beefy, they're steel. 
they're kind of like you're limited into what you can put on them because they are sort of manual raising. So you have to actually raise oh. them yourself and then tighten them with, um, you know, the tightening bolt. So um, you do have to be careful not to overload them with too much stuff that you can't even lift it or if it comes crashing down, it's dangerous and all that kind of stuff. But um, high rollers are great. Excellent stuff. Yep. Oh, God, yeah. Next on the list, clamps. Good old clamps. So, I, I mean, man, clamps are great. Um, Alex has some kind of weird love affair with Mayfer and Cardellini clamps. Um, I do. Well, most uh, the Cardellinis, they're the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cardellinis um, are the best. He guy. loves them. I mean, yeah, because you can do so much with them. Um, Cardellinis True. are the type where um they have like a a, a threaded um baby pin and these jaws mm -hmm. that kind of expand to however long the baby pin is um so you can really sort of tighten down on really large um beams or like awkwardly shaped things pipes pipes um the jaws have kind of a squareness to them so you can tighten them down on flat things like a 2 by 4 but you could also Tighten them down on a, a like a speed rail, like a round or or a mm -hmm. square tubing, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, all that kind of stuff. All the clamps are are great for just mounting lights onto random thing like cabinets. On a little um, shoot that we did one time, we um, had a very tight space to work in a kitchen, and we had to mount a I think it was a one fifty Fresnel. Um, to backlight an actor in this like really tiny kitchen, um, and there wasn't a lot of room to hide it. wasn't And we had to get it out of the out of the frame, so we had to clamp onto one of the cabinets and just kind of leave it open slightly. Um, and 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 the actual grip clamp is usually has a rubber interior, so it doesn't do much damage while holding tight. Um, yeah, uh, depending on what kinds you get. Um, so that's why it is very helpful if you need to clamp on things that you can't necessarily use nail-ons or anything like that so that you're not damaging anything um you know it could be some damage if you tighten it too hard if you're hercules but um for the most part it they're they're pretty forgiving in the uh, damaging of furniture and uh um kind of anything that could be hurt by a hard clamping clamped right on totally and to me the magic of the mafer also known as the super clamp is the little um spud adapters that you can put different types of pins in it. So you can have a, a normal baby pin, or you can also, um, there's a bunch of different like custom ones like for specific things, but there's also one that is what I think of as more of like a photography pin that is technically a baby pin, but it also has a little, um, a little uh, screw mount on the end. So mm -hmm. you can use that type of thing i find that to be useful for putting like you could put a little ball head on the end of it um to mount like a monitor like a small little monitor on something um or uh if you have like these kind of small battery powered led lights a lot of times they have they don't have like a baby pin mount they have a screw for like a mafer or for for like a noga arm or something um yeah. And so you can do that kind of stuff and mount those guys. Um, I'm using kind of a little knockoff Mayfer to hold this camera up. Um, there you go. Uh, got a Noga arm attached to that to hold the camera up for this podcast for the video. Um, so they're super useful. And that one is clamped onto a book. And 
pretty yes. sure that the book will be fine. There we so, go. Um, yeah, it's uh, they're very useful. Uh, good to have in a gig bag. And, and again, these clamps are pretty much uh, designed to not have too much damage or create too much damage on whatever you're clamping them because they, they're pretty sure you're not going to clamp it onto, you know. Grandma's old. And they're pretty sure you're going to clamp it onto some things that don't want you don't want to leave marks on. Yeah, and there are ways to clamp. Uh, you can put pieces of wood um, in yeah. between what you're clamping and all that kind of stuff. True. Um, yep. Let's see. Moving right along. I mean, we're just plowing through this. It's great. Man, this is going to be a short-ass episode. and Most people are going to be like, hell yeah. You spent more time talking about what's new in Amazon Podcasts <laughs> and all that. I know. Um, let's see. Menace so this arms. is what I screwed up on. The menace arm. So I, of course, was thinking the Max Menace arm. Oh, which is uh, which was but super dope. Like six thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh what those are, those are like almost like man, I don't even know, like they almost look like the things that pull um engines out of cars. They're just a giant weighted yeah. base that then uh like has an arm that goes over. So again, almost like your uh your high rollers and putting a light without seeing the stand. That's what menace arms are kind of used for. But that that that's the max menace arm. The regular menace arm. Is the regular menace arm is basically three pieces of hardware with a speed rail. Um, mm -hmm. and so you have um, an ear that you put into you know, like your high roller stand, um, to hold the speed rail kind of in the center or slightly off center. You have a piece for the end of uh, the speed rail that holds the light that has either a junior pin or a baby pin to hold the light and then on the other end um you use the opposite like if you're using the baby pin on the front you put the junior pin on the back and you use it to hang a sandbag or other type of counterweight off the back mm -hmm. and then um the uh the ear piece they all have um sort of like d-rings on them so you can use ratchet straps to sort of make sure that you're not going to you know, bend the uh, the speed rail with something that's too heavy, that's armed out too far, um, and it just kind of like relieves the the stress on the the speed rail itself. Um, and you sort of ratchet strap to these D rings and then back to the stand. Um, so it's it, it definitely that's definitely pretty good explanation. Like, it's 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 hard to explain. It's definitely something that you don't want to. You don't want to be thrown into without knowing what to do because you'll be getting oh god yes yeah. and and ratchet straps and you won't know what to do. Uh, but it's definitely something worth learning because menace arms. I mean, they're just so useful. I mean, so um, on Larry, we use them all the time on remote shoots because we would do this sort of like um, this lighting setup where we had two menace arms to get the um, the key lights uh, behind Larry and the guests um, cross-lighting. And um, we didn't want to have the stands because we were shooting three or sometimes four cameras all at once. So we wanted to have like as much open area as possible that was stand-free um, to be able to uh, be a little bit more loosey-goosey and ha not have to really like tighten up on all these angles and... Yeah. deal with all that stuff it, it, it just basically is a way to hang your lights without you seeing the stand so if you need again if you're like alex said if you're doing a multi-cam shoot where 
you have multiple angles and there's a chance that the stand could be just poking out because you're trying to light cross light the subject or cross light the interviewer um menace arms just kind of hang it in just kind of slide it in from above so you see nothing totally and another cool sort of application of it that um used on a feature is like uh in the shot it was four people at a booth uh, at a restaurant and um they wanted to have the light coming from sort of the wall side of the booth. Um, and so they put a menace arm right next to the camera, arming over uh, the four people in the booth. And they put, they were able to then put like a reflector right on um, like where the wall would be and sort of like position it exactly where they want it to be because it had a grip head on it. So they had a lot of um, sort of different options of how to position it and all that kind of stuff. And so they were able to put this very sort of um, nice positioned reflector and then shoot a light into it from off camera. Yeah, they're very, they're super, they're super, super useful. Um, they break down, aside from the speed rail, they break down really small. Um, uh, so it, I, I love menace arms. I'd love to get a max menace arm, uh, but those are, those are beefs inexpensive. Um, oh my gosh. I would love to as well. I'd love to have two. Yeah, of course, but they have to match. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, moving right along there is also uh, wall spreaders. So yes. you yes. talk about you've used wall spreaders more than I have. So you you take I mean, you, I, I know how much you love freaking grip gear. So go ahead. Talk about wall oh spreaders. Wall spreaders are great. So there's two different kinds of wall spreaders wall spreaders that are like the standard style of wall spreaders. There's uh, speed rail and then there's uh, two by four. Mm. So you've got mm. like the option. There's benefits to both. I would say like if you have, um, if you have a, a grip truck filled with what they call like a pipe organ of, of different lengths of speed rail, that's yeah. great. But uh, the two by four option is great. Cause you can easily just go to a home Depot and grab a two by four, cut it to length. Right. Because, yep. you, you, you know, not every room is the same width. But basically, yep. it's a piece of hardware that connects um, the 2x4s or the um, speed rail um, to be able to run across the room um, from one wall to the other and then tighten with uh, basically like a hand, hand tighten with like a hand screw. And mm -hmm. um, it pushes um, the ends of the pipe or the two by four into the wall more so that it has like a tight fit and a grip on the wall so that you can mount things to it. Um, and it's basically a, uh, it's like a mobile, it's a mobile lighting grid almost. Um, yeah. so you just can, it, it uses the tension between the two walls to be able to hold. I don't know what the max weight is on the two by four, uh, you know, wall spreader. It depends. I mean, so the thing about wall spreaders are they're not super, I don't know. They're not super easy. You do yeah, need like true. two people to set them up. Um, and they can, they can damage the wall. Like the way they're built, they do have mounting points for you to screw them right into the wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which would be great. You know, extra security, if, especially if you're going into like a stud, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you can also <laughs> do it where you basically create these little uh, feet for it out of like an, uh, an apple box or just, you know, like a piece of wood and you can wrap it up. And, you know, some people use 
um, like rubber on the on the bottoms of them, so you can like grip. Mm -hmm. Other people use like duvetine or whatever, just to like try to make it less invasive, less damaging to the wall, because basically yeah. you are applying pressure to the wall, and so having like a larger surface area to apply pressure to means that you're not going to like punch a hole in the wall you know, as easily, right? Um, yeah. But that also means that you're not um, getting as secure of a, a hold, per mm -hmm. se, because you're using like a large piece of wood that's covered in duvetine and it could slip, yep. you know, or it could break off or whatever. I'm not going to lie. Wall spreaders make me nervous, especially when, because I feel all the time with wall spreaders, people get a little too cocky, I guess you could say, because they're like hanging three or four lights on it. And I'm like, oh, and I get it. But when it's, when it is duvetine or an apple box, I'm like, you know what? Like, I know the deepest of my heart that it'll be fine. But like some people just, just are too, um, uh, let's see. Uh, Zealous. Yeah, overzealous and too trusting of them. And so they will throw like four or five lights on them. And, you know, not light, <laughs> light lights. Not, uh, you know, they'll throw some heavy lights on there. They'll throw a 1K on there. They'll, you know, they'll throw something on there that, and but then they'll throw four of them on there. And I'm like, Ooh. oh, yeah. my God. Um, I think you'd be safe with, um, if you're dealing with LEDs and stuff and these kind of LEDs, like, yeah. Yeah. Like one by one sort of light panel type things. Like, yeah. all that kind of stuff is good. I think whenever you're, rigging anything any type of heavy thing over where people are going to be it's questionable i mean you got to make sure mm -hmm. you're really doing it right um yep and that goes for the wall spreaders the menace arms the c-stands like all of it like gold posts like everything you got to make sure and that's you're doing it right because grip you know it's metal it's heavy and it's high and you could fall on people and that's definitely why like before you do anything on set is practice with these um i mean oh a wall spreader like a wall spreader kit maybe used is like a hundred bucks. Um, and Jeez. so, uh, you know, does like not to say you should run out and do it now, you know, uh, uh, yay COVID maybe we don't have the money, but you know, buy some of the stuff and test it out because especially menace arms, because menace arms, like Alex said, if you don't know what to do with that ratchet sweat strap to go through the D ring and make sure you're taking pressure off the actual speed rail, that speed rail will bend and you will put, you will put like a, you'll try and put a 12 foot speed rail. And, um, then you'll also try and put a, uh, sky panel on it and you'll just, and it very questionable. questionable. Definitely questionable. Um, the other thing is, like you said, all this grip stuff, it lasts forever. It's yeah. And so because of that, and and it's all kind of relatively cheap, you know? Um like yeah. C stands, uh wall spreaders, menace arms, it's like, you know, hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. So renting yeah. them is really cheap. It's like two bucks a day. So yeah. if you wanted to rent um a high roller and a menace arm kit and all that kind of stuff. You could probably do it for under 10 bucks. Uh, it's just yep. the insurance that might be, you know, questionable for you, but you know, it is worth it, I would say, um, to give it a try. And also, um, in my opinion, have someone who actually knows how to use it, um, on set the first time that you're using it so that you can learn from them and sort of see what they're doing in practice under supervision. Yeah. Um, so that you're not just sort of winging it. Um, and accidentally doing it wrong. Um, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of high rollers, the next yes. one uh, kind of goes with the high rollers. Um, your butterfly overhead kits. Yes. Um, yes. And so these... now I'm not sure about this. I've always thought butterfly and overhead kits are the same thing, but butterflies are smaller. I've always thought that like butterfly is 10 foot and under. Like you got your eight really? by eights and your six by six are, are called butterflies. And overheads are like 12 by 12s, 20 by 20s and above. I always I thought they were the same thing no matter what. I mean, they could be. I don't know. I have no idea. But either way, they're frames with rags is what they are. Yeah. And um, yeah, you usually, like a 6x6, six six, I would say, is the only one that you could, or and a 4x4, four four, uh, are the only ones that you could use in a C-stand. Um, and mm-hmm. they still might be questionable. The thing about them is they become giant sails because you're basically doing this big fabric um and putting it up in the air and if you're outside which you probably are on a windy day um those things will start flying you know so you gotta again be very careful when you use these and um the bigger you get the more complicated they get to set up because you do have to um tie them down um with um like guy lines and stuff like that or all these different things that help make sure they're safe and they're not going to move. And if they do get blown, uh, it's not going to blow right into like a, a group of people, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So according to Adorama, uh, Avenger 6x6 is called Butterfly Overhead. So inter- interspersed. And then you have another one that is a 12 by 12 they call a Butterfly Overhead. So I don't think it really matters. Interesting. I think they're just assuming that it's, you know, if it's a, it's a, if it's a frame for your... Uh, for your silks and for your uh, flags nets. and all that, it's and your nets. It's 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 an overhead or a butterfly, whatever you want to call it. Just, just say what length you need, and there you go. Um, Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, and I mean, we uh, we have a twenty by twenty kit. We actually sold that, um, but now we have. Did we? We sold one of them. Oh, we cut the piping for the ten, cut it into ten by ten, twelve by twelve, because twenty by twenty oh, is where it starts 12, yeah. getting questionable in terms of. Um, you needing to really rig it right and have it. I mean, 12 by 12, don't get me wrong. (laughs) You could go crazy with that too and, um, you know, be in the dangerous zone. But 20 by 20 is like really where it's at and um, you want to be careful. So we we ended up selling that. Going 12 by 12 is our biggest one. Um, 20 by 20 just means more people too. Yeah, more people. Like more people and you just don't like, again, we're trying to do no budget filmmaking here. So the less people you need to rig up stuff, the better, the less you have to pay them if you're paying them at all. Um, and, uh, um, I mean, yeah, uh, 12 by 12 is pretty good. Yeah. But so, and even that's not expensive. The thing about these is that you can use them, uh, to block out the sun, like you said, to create kind of like that overcast outdoor vibe. Uh, but you can also use them as reflectors and shoot, Mm -hmm. you know, big HMIs into them. Uh, stuff like that. And then also, um, you can use them as negative fill with, with solids inside. And one thing that they're really good for is, um, so if you're shooting an interior during the day, you have to deal with sun coming through the windows, um, when you don't want them to, right? Because, uh, Mm -hmm. because the sun will rotate throughout the day, like across your, uh, your house or whatever that you're in. Uh-huh. And so at 
10 in the morning, the sun will be at one position. And then at 3 p.m., it'll be in a different position. And so you can make these. So shows. You do it even more. So at, at, during your master, the snow, yeah. the, the sun will be in one position. And during your close ups and uh, medium shots, it'll be in it'll a be totally different. different position. So your lighting will be all off. Yeah. And so what you can do is create these shelves and put them outside above your window um, to shield the, the sunlight from coming in and creating like shafts of light. Um, and then you can control it more and like have HMIs outside the windows that you want the light to come through um, and not outside the windows that you don't want it to come through. And um, you can control the way the light comes in versus having to rely on the sun being, you know, where you want it to be at all times. So, which is uh, which is funny because you'll see I get a lot of people asking me like I think my dad even asked me like why when it's a bright sunny day out do they have lights blasting in windows in a house and that's the exact reason right there you want to control the light and you got to get rid of the light first that you can't control and put in light that you can control yeah exactly right exactly right because unfortunately it doesn't it takes a long time to shoot things yeah <laughs> so if you are using real sunlight you know, you got a limited window. I mean, it's going to move every, every like 15 minutes. You're going to notice that it's like slightly moving up the wall or like your lights coming in a different angle. So it really is best to try to block that out and, and control it as much as possible. Well, even one step further, because it takes so long to shoot things, you might be shooting on two different days and the next day is cloudy and hazy and you got none of the light that you had coming in the next day and you're still trying to match shots from the day before. So you want to be able to control as much as possible, even like not even just within the day, but day by day by day by day, or, you know, shoot at night and stuff like that. Um, uh, you know, if you, if you want to shoot a night scene during the day, you got to block out those, those windows. Uh, and it's not as easy. Sometimes it's just throwing some duvetine over the windows outside cause it can look pretty shitty. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to control what you can control. And some of that is just blocking out the light with a 12 by 12, uh, Overhead with a nice little black black on it. There we go. There we go. And that's all we got for this uh, this particular episode. Those are kind of yeah. the main ones. Like we said, there's just so much grip gear out there. Um, and I mean, I don't even know how long it would take to go through all of it. I, there's so many things that I don't even know what they do. Um, we, we have bought stuff that we don't even know what they do. We have bought things like piece, pieces of what we thought was a pack of beaver board. And then some of the beaver boards just had holes in the middle with mounting points that we've never yeah. seen before. Called donuts. Um, but what are they for? What yeah. They and for? like Alex said, grip grip guys are like some of the most resourceful people that you'll meet. They will make up stuff that, that, I mean, a lot of these things like wall spreaders and all that were built just out of necessity. Yeah. And then they were brought on set and then people were like, Oh, those are awesome. And then they just keep, you know, they keep manufacturing them because everyone else wanted to use them. And so you'll find stuff that doesn't even have a name because there's maybe like two pieces that, uh, in the world that a guy made because he needed them in those time and, and he can weld and he put together two pieces of metal and it works for that situation, but it will never work for any other situation ever again. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so anyway, I would suggest if you want to learn more about grip stuff, there's, I mean, just a ton of info out there. Um, also just going and looking at what's available. If you live in an area that has, um, stores, you can always go in there and check things out, check out what they have available. And the people will explain the things to you most of the time. Yeah. Uh, if they're not I mean, like, super slammed. Um, yeah. um, in LA, you got film tools, which is awesome to go check out stuff. Um, mm -hmm. they will explain it all to you. Um, even the stuff that I have never seen before, they, they seem to know it. 
rightfully totally. so they're trying to sell you on it but um totally. yeah definitely check it out um because it can make your shoots so much easier if you have the right grip gear uh like we said the wall spreaders great um the clamps amazing you could put the you could put lights lightweight lights anywhere with those clamps and and mm-hmm. i mean mafers and cartellinis are i think alex has at least 10 in his grip bag because at any time someone's going to say, I want a light here and I want a light here. And it's like, damn it. Okay. Well, let me get a, let me get a Cardellini out and clamp it up there and it will hopefully hold and not fall on anybody. Exactly. All right. Is that it? I think that might be it. I mean, we could, like you said, we could go on for hours on this, um, but I think that'll do it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. You can get the show notes for this episode by visiting nobudgetfilmmaking.com. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and subscribe to our podcast while you're there. Give us a five-star rating while you feel so inclined. Oh, yeah, we had a five-star rating. We'll have to tell you about it in our next episode. Oh, my Uh, God. That's right. That's right. I know you guys are waiting patiently for that one. If you have any filmmaking questions, ask away in the comment section, and we will try to answer them. Also, if you're in the giving mood, head on over to nobudgetfilmmaking.com slash beer and buy us a beer. And we'll even give you a shout-out on the next episode. Also, don't forget to head over to fearlessfilmmakers.com to join our growing community of filmmakers. And we will check you guys next time. All right. Later. Peace.